Hey, you know, I was, I was going to title this uh, Yes and Amen Part 2, but hope does not disappoint. It's the same thing in there. But I just want to share some, some cool things that, uh, I, see, I believe this with, with everything. Is not, the more I understand the gospel and what it was really supposed to do was settle our heart that everything's going to be okay, that he loves us perfectly, he forgives us perfectly, and uh, he's for us. That's just such a different dynamic than what I grew up with, but I, I want to share something. With, it's really interesting. Um, and you can go look at this. Uh, uh, even, um, you know, Billy Graham passed away. You guys all know that. But it's really fascinating. If you go look at his early teachings, this fire and brimstone, you better, you better do all this stuff to, as he aged. And uh, let me just read this from you. You can go Google this. This is from a Newsweek article, August 14, 2006. And Chris Abadie and I were talking about this this week. And uh, th- I'm just going to tell you some, uh, some quotes. So... One of, the, one of the questions is why he's not in politics anymore. And he said, you know what, I, I, that I, I realize that's not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be focusing on the love of God, which is really interesting. I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. So anyway, uh, quote, there are many things I don't understand. So this is uh, towards the end of his life. I do not believe that Christians need to take every verse of the Bible literally. Sincere Christians, he says, can disagree about the details of Scripture and theology. Absolutely. I'm not a literalist in the sense that every single jot and tittle is from the Lord, Graham says. Quote, this is a literal difference in my thinking through the years. He has then moved from seeing every word of Scripture as literally accurate to believing that parts of the Bible are figurative. Praise God, man. Because we all, that's been one of the, I think it's been one of the things that's really damaged a lot of Christians that, uh, that they looked at Scripture not as, um, they looked at Scripture more importantly than Jesus. Let's put it that way. They elevated the Bible above Jesus, and Jesus contradicted the Bible all the time. And so, because um, we were all taught this, right? There's not an error in the Bible, right? The inerrancy, isn't that what we're taught? So what we did is we made up weird theologies to make these verses sound un-Jesus-like. And then we're like, that doesn't sound like Jesus. And uh, uh, so I, I think that's fascinating when, when guys like this go, you know what, towards the end of my life, I realized that the Bible is figurative. It's not literal. And that's so obvious to me now. But you know, people are like, well, God said it. That's it. So be it. I go, really? So Jesus is a, a lamb with horns sticking out of his head? That's weird. You take that literally? Well, no, that, not that. I said, well, then what's your, what's your uh, scale then to what we can take literally and what not to take literally? And I've never gotten a good answer. So I, I believe, what, like Billy Graham, is, hey, it's figurative. You know, where even like uh, in Galatians, when, when Paul's talking about the Old and New Covenants, Isaac and Ishmael. And so we've created this whole, whole theology that God's not the father of everybody because God's the father of Ishmael, who are the Muslims, and we should be against them the rest of our life. And Isaac, well, we're the good guys. We're Christians. And uh, so now Isaac and Ishmael, we're going to be fighting each other for the rest of our lives. And Paul clearly goes, that's not the meaning of that. It's the meaning of the old and the new covenants. Throw out the Ishmael. Throw out the servant, the bondhood. It's an allegory is really what Paul says. So it's so clear to me now that Scripture... Um, there's a, what's the deeper meaning behind what God's trying to portray? That's, and that's where Hebrews says, listen, in times past, God spoke to us in types and shadows, in pieces and fragments through the fathers and the prophets. But now we have a better word in Jesus Christ. He came to reveal, ultimately, here's what a little, little living, living epistle looks like. Everything you believe about God, you'll see in me. That makes so much more sense to me now. That, because Jesus said, hey, if you're going to get it out of the book, you're going to miss it. So, even if it was inerrant, which I, uh, I don't think it was ever meant to be that. And what I'm finding out is the Hebrews never took it that way. They, they, had to, uh, they didn't look at his perfection, even though like the Old Covenant, they wouldn't even write Yahweh because of its sacredness. That even had to be cleansed by blood. 
because they knew it wasn't perfect. But then Jesus came, perfection came. And so, oh, now we get it. He's the living epistle. Does that make sense to you guys? Because uh, I think um, if we really take it inerrantly, I, I was sharing with a couple people the other day, I said, man, give me your best Bible scholar in the world and I'll have him twisted in pretzels in like 20 seconds if he's gonna try to take this literally. And then you know what happens? Because you took away their security. And like Jesus is your security. Jesus is the more perfect word, not this thing. This is the mirror. But if I'm trying to look at myself, uh, is this more real than this? The reflection's not re more real than me. He is the substance, the title deed. Does that make sense to you guys? So anyway, well, listen to this. Woo, this is a good Billy Graham bear. Be careful here. So let me start yelling at him too, Reg. I know, I know. <laughs> you and your post. So, uh, so he says this, uh, in interview after interview, he underscored, this just, this warms me actually. I'm like, oh, praise God. Cause I, I, I grew up on the fire and brimstone. You're going to hell you better. So I'm like, well, I'm not stupid, man. Before I go out partying, I'm going to go do this deal and say the magic words. So, and so I did. And so, uh, and it had nothing to, it didn't make any difference to me. I was like, really? That's it. How shallow, right? Um, says in interview after interview, he underscored that he was going to discuss only the gospel, a public hint that the man who had not shied away from the arena in the past, he's talking about politics, rethought his role. I think the Lord led me to that decision, and that's where I am now. I spend more time in the love of God than I used to. That's awesome. But then listen to this part. Uh, much of my life has been the pilgrimage, constantly learning, changing, growing, maturing, I, coming to see things differently in deeper ways that have some of the implications of my faith and message. Uh, and so then, when asked whether he believes heaven will be closed to good Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, or secular people, Graham says, quote, those are decisions only the Lord will make. It would be foolish for me to speculate on who will be there and who won't. I don't want to speculate about that at all. I believe the love of God is absolute. He said he gave his son for the whole world. I think he loves everybody, regardless of what label you put on him. Woo! Whoa! That actually warmed me up when I, when I read that. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, man. Billy, that'll get you thrown out of seminary. That's the truth. That's so good. Anyway, so, oh, that makes me happy, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Because Barb and I, too, is like, man, when you start reading Scripture, and people, like, they get upset and they go, uh, well, the Bible says, I'm like, I know, but what's the deeper meaning behind it? That's, what, that's the thing. The Bible said a lot of things, and most people that knew the Bible the best typically missed Jesus because they were trying to take it literally versus it's a, what's the deeper meaning behind it. Does that make sense to you guys? So anyway, so hope does not disappoint. Let's, let's, I just want to read a couple things to you and just uh, outside of Scripture too because a lot of people obviously follow Joel Osteen and Joseph Prince and these different guys. So uh, let me just read you what Joel Osteen says about hope. This is kind of cool. Uh, have you ever fallen into the trap of thinking that, you've make, that you have to make something happen? I think we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. You focus more on your efforts, on your efforts and your ability than you do on God's efforts and ability. I know in my life I've told God about some really amazing ways he could fix stuff. But God doesn't really need our brilliance. He needs our trust and our yes. All the promises are yes and amen. So you may have had some big doors closed in your life. People may have discouraged you or talked down to you. Maybe it looks like the world has told you no, but there's yes stamped on your heart. Our biggest job is to step over all the no's, keep moving forward. The no's tear us down. Um, Francois de, oh, Francois de Troyes is going to come too. Did I tell you guys that? Yes. So uh, uh, I'm like, thank you, Lord, man. 
And he said, that, I'm a little busy finishing up Revelation. I go, finish that, and then, then come on over. So um, I'm just excited, man, that these, it's, it's great to me. Nose tear us down and discourage us. Francois de Troyes would say, don't keep eating from the I am not tree. Eat from the I am tree, right? So, but God's promises always build up. His promises build your character, faith, testimony. For no matter how many the promises of God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us all by the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 1. That's been our scripture last week. And then Joseph Prince says this. Uh, now faith has nothing to do with what you do or what you can do. Faith is simply believing and declaring what God has done and is doing for you. Amen, man. That's exactly right. When you believe that the favor of God is on you because of Christ's finished work, his promises of provision, healing, restoration become sure to you. And I think where, where the, uh, most people, if this doesn't relate to you, that's fine. But I know for me, growing up charismatic, word of faith, it was all about my faith. And uh, if, so, if something wasn't happening, because faith was always now. If you really had enough faith, Mike, it would happen now. I'm like, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying there were types and shadows, but now Jesus is the real thing. Now faith is the substance. The persuasion of all those promises is yes in Jesus. So it was about his faith because when we were still dead in sin, he died for us. It was his faith that saved us lest we could boast is what scripture says. Does that make sense? So we just enter in what's already true about us, actually. So does that mean it doesn't matter what we believe? No, it matters a ton. That's what people don't get. And here's what I found. If you believe God's angry, it's going to cause anger in you. It's going to cause lack of empathy and compassion. I see so many faith guys with no compassion or love. There's no empathy. And it's like, well, if you had enough faith, I go, yeah, how's it going? Your life is just angry. So anyway, if you believe the favor of God is on you because of Christ's finished work, his promises of provision, healing, restoration become sure to you. They're not just sure to the Jews, but also in you because we are the faith of Abraham. Uh, is that what I wanted to write on that? My friend, when you believe that you have the same favor that Jesus has, a whole new world opens up, a world where all God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Isn't that good? So, hey, listen, our, our trust and persuasion should be from his love for us, not if we have enough faith. Because I fail all the time there. Are you, anybody else? You fail in your faith? Yeah. If it's up to my faith, then I'm right back into works. It's, it's a... Uh, <laughs> if it's up to my faith, I'm in trouble and you're in trouble. All right? And if it's up to your faith, you're in trouble and I'm in trouble. His faith, therefore we can't boast. Amen? What he's trying to persuade us of is his love for us. He goes, if I died for you and you're ungodly, how much more that I'm alive will anything that's wrath, in fact, uh, I'll, I'll cover that when we look through the scripture. I'll actually go through the definition for you. It's not God's anger. And if it was his anger, it was his anger from anything that got between me and my bride. It was not I have to punish Jesus because I'm mad. In fact, uh, I was listening to this service the other day, and they were talking about... Um, just the difference but how people believe in God's wrath. And I was like, gosh, I'm actually kind of embarrassed what I used to believe. That, uh, hey, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and um, they ate God's apple. And you just don't eat God's apple, man. Some, there's going to be hell to pay for eating my apple. <laughs> and I was like, how crazy is it that that's what we believed, actually? That's not a good dad, Right? In fact, I was telling you that story where I grew up with seven kids, youngest seven kids, single mom, and uh, you just eat what's there. You don't go, this is mine in the fridge and everything else. It was so weird because also when, when my brothers and sisters started getting married, I remember I was telling, I'm not going to say who because if you're watching. Uh, <laughs> but I was a little kid, and I remember I, I, I took a drink out of the fridge that was somebody else's, and did I feel the wrath? And that was so shocking to me. I was like, oh, I just thought it was 
food. It's in there. So anyway, that's how I've always been. I'm like, now I always tell her, I go, get twice as much as you think. So nobody argues about who ate the blueberries and stuff like that. You know, like, um, he didn't care about you taking his apple and his wrath needed to be appeased. We had a conscience that he deals with us on the good, bad tree. And our conscience need to be appeased that I'm going to prove to you my love for you that I'll die for you, unlike all the other gods that I require somebody to die. Does that make sense? It's, so, it's just so refreshing to me when I'm starting to get it. I'm like, oh, because now all the scriptures start to open up. So anyway, let's go to that first slide, Tawana, that hope does not disappoint. So I just put the, the title on there. I was like, wow, even, uh, even uh, uh, NIV and New King James, they have pretty good titles sometimes. It says, Faith Triumphs in Trouble. And so Romans 5, 3, and not only that, but we glory in tribulations, things that, don't, things that appear wrong. What, what, you know, and it's really anything that is not perfect life, whether it's, whether it's uh, finances or whether it's uh, uh, relationships or whether it's health issues or any issue really, is anything that doesn't look like perfect love. That's the, the tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint. That's so key to me because what he's trying to show you is look at this. Is look what God did when you had no... Um, Basically, what he's saying is God come th- came through for you d- despite your faith. didn't matter about your faith. didn't do anything. He came through for you because he's for you. Now, if we, can resonate, if we can focus on that kind of stuff, guess what? We can start to live in the moment a little bit more and go, you know what? I, I, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. You know, uh, Chris Abedin, when I talked about this this week too, I said, you know what? Really, if, um, if our kids are outside, whatever, and they, they wipe out and they're screaming, what, moms, what do you want to do for them right away? It's going to be okay right? It's going to be okay. The, the comforter. And so that's what we need to know. But we have this angry God that, man, I ate his apple. Nobody eats his apple. Somebody needs to pay. Uh, what a weird thing. We can never really trust a God like that. So, um, but perseverance, character, character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint. And hope literally is the confident expectation that God's going to come through or confident expectation that God is good, that it's going to be okay, despite what we see here. And so Paul constantly through his letters always tells us things that uh, all things work together for good. It's okay. Did it have to be that way? No, because we make mistakes all the time. But guess what? Uh, He fixes it. He does that for us. And all the other teaching just doesn't give me peace where you're like, well, if you would have listened clearly, you show me the guy that's heard him clearly on everything and I'll show you Jesus. Because none of us, it's all our issue, all of it, right? But did he separate himself from us? No, he died for us when we didn't deserve it, is what this says. So if that was true, how much more that now he's alive and conquered sin and death can we expect good? That's really what this whole thing's about, okay? So perseverance, character, character, hope, the confident expectation that it's going to be okay. Now, hope does not disappoint. Now, when, when, when he says does not disappoint, do you think it disappoints? It does not disappoint. So I can take comfort in that, right? Is it always pretty and fun? No, never. It's tribulations, it's not fun. But hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's go to the next slide real quick. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the people who repented and said the magic words, or who? The ungodly. Who's included in that? Everybody. That's what Romans 11 says. He says, Jews were in, then they're out. Gentiles were in, then they're out. Romans 11 says, I've commanded all to be under disobedience so that I could have mercy on all. It was God's wisdom. He says, I'm going to make him, make him feel both ways. That was in and out. What he really wants to do is there's no exclusion. Every nation in the world is going to be 
represented by Israel was the type and shadow, and every human being was going to be represented by Christ. Those were types and shadows of the chosen, the elect, the few. So was always representative of all. So the 12, you always see the number 12 in Scripture is always a representative number. So the 12 tribes, the 12 apostles, the 12, everything was always representative of a whole, how you can read the numbers in Scripture. So, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us, not God's anger towards us that he had to be appeased, so he sent Jesus to pour his anger out. The cross was all about his love for us. It's such a different view, isn't it? But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than. See, this is, he's, Paul always teaches like this. If this was true, if the, if the old covenant was bad, if the, if the negative was bad, how much more is the positive? That's how Paul always teaches. So if Christ died for us when we didn't deserve anything, when we were without hope, when we didn't have any chance, how much more that he's alive? That's what he's trying to show here. Does that make sense to you guys? So did, any, did, did mankind have any hope? before Christ died? No. So even when there was no hope in us, our faith dwindled, our faith, that's when I died. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Okay. How I was always taught, that's, "Mm, you don't eat my apple. Somebody needs to pay. Right? Well, let me just share with you. Once you start getting this, uh, I just looked up Helps Word Studies, what wrath is. So, Wrath, uh, it's, it's Strong's 3709, 3709 if you want to go look at it. And it's orge, where we get orgasm, orgy, etc. this passionate thing, all right? So uh, wrath means, literally means, means anything that's opposing you. And it says settled anger proceeds from an internal disposition. So it, it's in here, right? Solidifying what the beholder considers wrong, unjust, or evil. So let me, let me just kind of unpack this a little bit. So here's what he's trying to say. Um, if we, when we were enemies, I'm sorry, much more than now being justified by his blood, meaning he's removed sin and death. So if his death was powerful, how much more is his life going to be? That's what he's trying to say here. So much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be healed. That's that word sozo, healed. It doesn't mean going to heaven. It means healed from any evil that we're experiencing in our life. If we could trust him when we, when we were completely without hope, how much more can we trust him now that he's removed any hint of separation of anything that's evil in our lives? We can trust him. That's what he's trying to say. But I, I never got the goodness out of that verse because I always thought, thank God Jesus came and God whacked him because now I can rest again. That never really did a whole lot for me. Like, okay, that's sort of good news, I guess. Yeah, woo, thank you. the father, good guy, or bad guy, it's scary, right? It's like dad when you're driving with your kids. Don't make me come back there, right? And Jesus is like the mom. <laughs> good thing Jesus is here. Good thing mom's here, because otherwise I'm going to feel the wrath of dad, right? I know that never happened with you, did it, Dave? Never. <laughs> me either. Not. So it's goofy some of the things we do, isn't it? that we saw other people do? Don't make me come back there. How weird. Anyway, sorry, kids. So, but it's literally, what he's trying to say there is anything that we, there's a persuasion that we go, this isn't right. This, my life shouldn't look like this. Like I said, whether it's relationships, money, uh, health, whatever, this isn't right. 
And so what he's trying to show you is how good and how hopeful we can be. Does that make sense? That he goes, listen, it's not up to you. It's up to me. If I, if I died when you were ungodly, how much more am I going to get rid of anything that opposes you that now that I'm alive? If death was powerful, how much more that I've conquered sin and death and I'm alive? Does that, does that make sense to you guys? So he's trying to show us that's what communion is all about, is to, to settle our heart like, oh, God's good and it's going to be okay. Good? You guys get that? Okay. So it's not saving you from an angry God. It's anything that's on my bride that shouldn't be there. He's going to remove that thing. That's the hope we can have. Cool? Yes. All right. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled, the equal exchange of value by, to God through the death of his son. Much more, there's a much more again, having been equal exchange in value, shall we be healed by his life? Good? You guys get the point? Hope does not disappoint. What he's trying to show you is you can have hope, even if it's not showing up yet. Don't get trapped into this. If I had enough faith, it would be now. Because how many guys have sworn you had enough faith and it wasn't now. And I think that very teaching is the thing keeping you from having the persuasion that he loves me enough that he'll take care of it. I personally believe that. Now, some might disagree, but if you're trying to balance faith and unbelief and all this stuff, I, geez, it'll wear you out after a while. And that's not what he's trying to show you. If you were dead and I did it, how much more than I'm alive will I do it? Get it? All right, so 2 Corinthians 1 8, this is, the, this is the whole scripture, right? But as surely God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. God is faithful. Isn't he showing you that? As surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not maybe. And what he's trying to say here is, how many of you guys have ever heard this? Um, uh, God works in mysterious ways. We just never know. The very thing we're supposed to have is, is assurance of his love and goodness. We see, I see all these teachings take it away. Well, if your unbelief's higher than your belief, then not going to work. And my question is, did Jesus still heal those people? Yes. So it didn't matter if their unbelief was above their belief, right? It's his faithfulness that we're, where we're supposed to get our assurance and rest. Guys, you will wear yourself out if it's based on your, your faithfulness. I can go, you know what? Cast my worry to him. I'm not saying I do it perfectly. I'm not saying that. But scripture is telling us, instead of sweating this thing out for the next couple days, the best we can just in the moment, live in his love for us. You know what, Lord? You're going to take care of this. You're a good God. You're, going to, you're a good God. And I can, my, my trust and faithfulness can be in your faithfulness. I'm persuaded of your love for me is what Paul's trying to do. Uh, in fact, I remember uh, um, it was really telling to me. Who, who was Kenneth Copeland's uh, grandson? Was it Pearson? Is that his name? Jeremy Pearson. And if you haven't done it, go Google Jeremy Pearson and Joseph Prince. They did an interview series. And um, this is the difference between faith and love, in my opinion. Because I grew up where the faith is all about my faith and build it and tongues and this and that. And, and I could feel myself going, man, I used to just believe life's good. And now it's, man, do I have enough faith? Then it'll be good. If I don't have enough faith, then it's going to be bad. It actually starts deteriorating because you start getting into works. And, and uh, I, I'm not putting words in his mouth. Listen, listen to him. So he said, I was going to go out to minister one time. And, uh, and I said, the Holy Spirit asked, hey, what are you going to preach on today? He goes, I'm going to preach on faith. And uh, his response was, uh, okay, that's okay. Why don't you talk about me instead? And here was, here was Pearson's response, which I resonated with because I grew up in this word of faith, charismatic, all about me and Shangri-La. And, uh, and he goes, I honestly didn't know what to talk about. And then he started getting a hold of Joseph Prince and uh, the grace message is going, oh, we've made faith a work. And I, I, that, I, I don't know how many services did we go through and we never heard about Jesus. 
It was faith, 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 faith. And I see it kill people. It's sad to me actually now that I believed a lot of that stuff. So our persuasion is not yes and no. It's yes, always in him. Because the old covenant, what happened? If you read Deuteronomy 28. Maybe we'll go into that and then we'll, we'll be done. So um, it's if then. My wife's on it. Right? She took me on a hot date yesterday. Was it yesterday? Huh? I'm not saying that part. I'm just saying you took me on a hot date. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was preached among you by us, by me, Silas, Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. And that's what Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10 says. Listen, God found fault in the old covenant, so he got rid of it, is literally what he says, because there was a fault in it, because it was based on our ability to perform and God's part of the covenant. The new covenant is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Every promise is yes and amen. So that's what he's saying here was not yes and no, but in him it's always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And through him the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. Is that good or is that good? See, that's where I can put my hope in. That it's not about my ability. It's not about my love for him. It's not about my supernatural faith. It's not about any of that. My persuasion, my faith comes from Jesus did it. And it's yes in him. I can rest I can let him heal me. I can let him prosper me. I can let him root store relationships. And I can, I, can, I can have gratitude about that. So I'm not looking, because if it's easy, to, it's easy to say I have faith when everything looks right. It's a little tougher when it doesn't look right, doesn't it? When, when we have, all, and all of us have different issues and struggles and tribulation, but that's why he said, hope does not disappoint, guys. Just have trust in me. Because what I've found is when we can start resting again and just be, thank you, Lord that this is going to be okay, you know what? It starts, to, it starts to release those rivers of living water versus death that's coming out of us. Worrying about trying to have enough faith actually produces lack of it, in my opinion. Anybody else experience that? The harder I tried, the harder it was to me. Like, man, I'm going to do this now and have faith. And I would always go, man, I'm going to go pray and fast. And so here's the hotel I'm going to stay at. I'd come back at like 11 o'clock at that night going, my God, a hot wife in my bed. What am I doing? He gives the beloved when he sleeps. Why am I doing this Old Testament stuff? So I'd always come back. I'd never even make it at night. So uh, that's where I knew early on. I go, it's not up to my praying and fasting. This is going to be ugly. So, but you know, when I was a little kid, when I didn't have all this religion, I just believed God was good. And I didn't have the best situation, did I? It, my, my family life growing up was pretty a mess. Uh, but honestly, somehow I was just like, you know what? I believe God's good and it's going to be okay. It didn't look like it. And uh, it was okay. It worked out, sort of. So I think it's okay. I don't really have all the hang-ups that everybody has that, that grew up in religion, to be honest with you. Now, once I got saved, all the junk came. Uh, I was like, jeez, this used to be easy. Joe, we talked about that, right? Life used to be so easy before this good news. What's wrong with the good news? What we were hearing is a mixture of good news and good bad tree. The good news is good news is good news. There's nothing in it. So anyways, does that make sense? He wasn't interested in you get, digging your head in here forever. He wasn't interested in you uh, having a, a magnificent prayer life, anything like that. You know what he's interested in you? You. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to find life in a book. He wants to find life in a person, him, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you guys? So that's where enjoy him a little bit. If it's a religious exercise, I know, man, that gets me thrown out of so many places. Put the thing down and just do nothing. And just go, Lord, I'm going to bask in you for a while. Does that make sense? 
And you prove to me how much you love me because this love gig is not working so well on my end. And he will come through. He will come through. Hope does not disappoint. Is that good? He always comes through. Whether, and it, it's, not our, it's not our breaking through in prayer and all this stuff. It's none of that. It's, it's the persuasion that he loves me and he's radically forgiven me and he, he's more interested in me and anything that comes between he and I than anything. So hope will not disappoint. I know I'm hammering that, but it's such a different message than what I was brought up on. It's my faith. It's this. And anyway, so for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ and through him the amen. So let me just finish this. So no matter how many promises, are they yes? So here's what's radical. Like I was reading from Escape to Reality the other day. He goes, hey, New Testament promises. Ephesians says this. Every promise, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Does that mean we can only expect spiritual blessing? No, what he's trying to show you is it wasn't out of flesh, out of, out of you were born into Jewishness, you were born as a, a descendant of the Jewish nation. It was a spiritual blessing, the real temple, not the physical temple that the Jews worshiped in, the real temple. It's spiritual, the real thing is spiritual. The, the law was a type and shadow. Does that make sense to you guys? So every promise is yes and amen. Now the Bible can get kind of fun because then in Galatians it says this, he's removed the curse of the law, Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 and on. If you don't do these things, all this bad stuff's gonna come upon us. The exact opposite is that. If there's anything there that, uh, that that's, shouldn't be there, we, we get angry about it, we're persuaded that that's evil, hope does not disappoint. We can, we can rest in that promise is gonna be yes. Am I making sense to you guys? There's no ifs in the new covenant. That's where we find our rest. Okay? So he says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, not because you were a Jew or not. You're all in. Cool? All right, so let's just read some of the promises and we'll be done. And just find the one that works for you. Um, uh, and it can be anything. It can be anything. Like I said, it is, uh, like Paul says, is, hey, trials, tribulations, um, it's not fun, but hope will not disappoint. Okay, so here's, here's Deuteronomy 28. Here's, here's the problem with the Old Testament. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. How many of you guys have obeyed the voice of the Lord your God? Perfectly. Yeah, darn it. So, blessed you. Shall, so the ifs are gone. So you can read this from the ifs are gone. He's removed the curse but left the blessing. The Melchizedek didn't have if then when when. When Abram met Melchizedek, it was, God's going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. Here's my covenant. I'm going to give you bread and wine. Does that make sense? There was just blessing. There was blessing God, blessing you. Blessing God, blessing you. No curses. So the, the law put that in. So anyway, blessed you shall be. Blessed you shall be in the city. Blessed be in the country. So it doesn't matter where you are. Where can you be blessed? Where you are. Because I hear people do all this, this all the time. Well, I heard God move over here. Over here is wherever you are. You're the temple. And I see a lot of people get screwed up on that. Well, you know, did I hear God right? I'm supposed to go over there. No, that's not what it's talking about. You'd be blessed whether you're in the city or the country. You're the temple, guys. You're the dwelling place. You remember that scripture says, hey, if I, if I, if I, I'm telling you the truth that there are many mansions for you, the place I'm going to go. You guys know the scripture where Jesus is telling that, right? And I think it's the Greek word mone. I'm not... Don't quote me on that. I remember reading this the other day. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Because then, then I thought, like, sweet, man. I'm going to have this mansion on Long Island close to the train station so I can go into the 
Yankee Stadium. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Then he tells you a little bit lower. He said, the Monet, the dwelling is going to be in you. Ooh, it's good. You don't have to seek God. You know where he is? Right here. You don't have to be desperate for God. That means God's not a good father. Because Jesus says, you know, if you're hungry and thirsty. But what does Jesus say? No, no, no. I, I, I pride for you. So Chris Bader and I were talking about this too. Is like, oh, I cringe now when I hear all this stuff like, get desperate for the Lord and serve him and do all this stuff. I go, that produces strange children. That produces performance-based children. What it should produce is, I'm okay. I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty for anything. I'm content. That's what we're supposed to have. Does that, does that make sense? So anyway, so blessed you shall be, blessed, you in the, blessed in the city, blessed in the country. Wherever you choose to be, that's where you'll be blessed. That's better message, isn't it? Because now if, like, one of, if I'm supposed to be here or there, you know what I'm going to do. You're supposed to go do this in some third world country. <laughs> no, Lord. So he doesn't do stuff like that. He'll persuade you that that's what you want to do. He will put the desire in your heart. So it's not this, did I hear him right? Do I have to move to a different city? If you're like, you know what? I really, I want to go move over here. Perfect. You're in the city or in the country. You'll be blessed. Does that help you? Okay. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Your kids are going to be good. The produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be in your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you go when you go out. doesn't matter. You're going to be blessed because you're in him and that promise is yes. That's a good message, isn't it? I can stop there. I can keep going. So anyway, that's what he's talking about. No matter how many promises are yes and amen. Got it? All right, you can get to your feet. Hallelujah. Time is it? I see him. Golden State's on. They're only 13 minutes into it. So, <sighs> Blessed am I when I'm doing this and when I'm watching the game. Thank you, Lord. So it's really true. I, I love watching people that are good at stuff because guess what? The life of God is flowing out of them, right? He's, it's, that's, anyway, so Apostle Paul is reminding us the Father is always for us. Even when it looks impossible, hope does not disappoint. That was his whole message in that. If you're dead, if you were dead in sin, I died for you. How much more that I'm alive? Am I going to remove anything, any wrath, anything that opposes you? Is that cool or is that cool? That is good. So the promises are not dependent on our ability to perform. It's not based on our faith. It's, it's, you know what? It's a lot better though when you're persuaded of he loves me and it's going to be okay. I'm telling you, you can start to live in the moment. You won't be so depressed. You won't be so much anguish. It's going to be okay. If everything got wiped out, are you still okay? You're still okay. You're still okay, right? Jesus was the son that had nothing. Adam and Eve were in the garden with rivers of living, flowing water, and they believed the lie about themselves. Jesus had nothing, stripped naked, uh, no food, no water, and he didn't believe the lie. He still believed he was a son, perfectly loved, perfectly given by the Father. Does that make sense? So that's where he didn't sin. Because everybody thinks sin is behavior. No, sin was the distorted view of who God is and who man is in our heart. All right? So focus at that last one. Uh, the promises are not dependent on our ability to perform. They're based on his limitless love. That's where faith comes. That's where persuasion comes. So his forgiveness, his favor, his blessings, it's all yes, despite you. And the hardest part is when you messed up and you caused the problem to go, it's not your fault. He's going to 
remove anything that opposes that. And if somebody's done something negative to you, you can forgive them. So you're not living in torment. And if you've been the one that's done negative to somebody, you don't have to live in shame your whole life. He's forgiven you too. That's where you're going to start to find life, and it'll start to come back to you. Does that make sense to you guys? Reggie, you, you on your way up here? I couldn't tell. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, you close it out, my friend. Okay? Can we, uh, Tawana, I think this is mic uh, two. Chuk, chuk, chuk. Try mic three. That's mic two. All right. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, when we were kids, uh, I guess the girls did this more with the buttercup, you know. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Well, the Lord was saying, throw away the buttercup. He loves you. <laughs> Just know that. Where did you grow up? I don't know. Huh? We never I did weird stuff like that. I think my sister might have told me that. <laughs> But, yeah, God is so good, so good. He just, it is yes and amen, you know. So just uh, throw away the no. I like that, what he said about I am, not I am not. Yeah, it's because it'll, it'll be what you hope for. Just, yeah, I, I can remember having lots of things go wrong, and the Lord just said to me, he said, it is what it is. Just move on to what it should be. Just don't dwell there. Just move on because I got it better. I got greener pastures for you. Keep on walking. Thank you, Lord God, that uh, this me message of freedom and your love is, is getting through, that we don't have to perform. You, your son performed it all. You reached into that thicket and pulled out the uh, Lamb of God. He said, I, I myself will provide for you. Just stop trying to provide for yourself. He will provide for you. Thank you, Father. We just love you, Lord. Let us, uh, let us you know, just the overflow out of your belly, right out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.